This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. Uh, and I'm Dave. And we'll be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing one spell. With the gaze turns inward to see real beauty, we discuss apostates. Join us on the path of suns, and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast the gaze turns inward to see real beauty, we talk about the various character options in Invisible Sun. This time, we're going to talk about apostates. So we've covered the four orders, and we decided it was time to dig into apostates a little bit. Um, so quick overview. Apostates, they don't have an order. They've been exiled from the Invisible Church, or this, or they are you know, self-imposing this exile uh, from the Church itself. Uh, the apostates, some of them could be characterized as chaotic, uh, I think they also refer to themselves as chaos mages uh, from time to time, uh, though many have simply chosen not to be part of any order. Uh, they could be introverted and are more interested in studying magic on their own and making their own discoveries. Uh, there are all sorts of reasons why uh, a Vizlay would be an apostate. Uh, they don't have a set of rules to follow uh, in order to spend their crux um, to advance in their order. Uh, the way they spend their crux is much more freeform. They have uh, a list of options that they can choose from whenever they want to uh, continue building on their skills. And there are some restrictions as to when they can purchase certain abilities, uh, but it is pretty open to them. Uh, so if, if you're creating a starting apostate, uh, a starting apostate is going to get one level of magical lore uh, as a skill. Uh, they're going to get two general spells that they can cast, which basically means how much sorcery do you have, and that is how much, uh, that is the level cap that you can choose for a general spell. They also get this nifty little ability called Counterspell. So as an action, they can dispel a level one or two effect for the same amount of sorcery. Uh, they also get Raw Power, which is just a plus three Bene boost to their sorcery pool. They also get this really nifty ability called Testament Rejection, which allows them to ignore the effects of the Sooth card that is currently on the Testament of Sons. Uh, and that can be really useful uh, if the Nemesis gets placed on the Testament of Sons. Everybody else is going to be experiencing uh, a negative one or two on their venture, uh, but an apostate can just ignore that. Uh, you know, conversely, if there is a positive card on the Testament of Sons, you know, the apostate can choose to, to accept those bonuses. Uh, they also get to choose two of their abilities. And this is the list of abilities that uh, apostates are going to be selecting from when they spend Crux. Uh, several of them are gated. There are a few that you cannot choose as a starting apostate and several others that you can select only after you have chosen other, like a certain number of other abilities. Uh, so real quickly, um, additional ephemera, 
you can you can increase your ephemeral limit by one here. Uh, you can increase your counterspell level. Uh, so every time you choose that, you can you know increase that level up by one. Uh, there is the combative caster, which allows you to uh, it makes all your spells, uh, your combat spells, inflict two more damage uh, plus two damage. Uh, you can get more spells, so whenever you take the extra spells ability, you get two more general spells, which is a super cost-effective way to get spells. Um, there is a spellbreaker ability that is similar to counterspelling, except it makes that ability more passive. It's basically passive defense, so if somebody tries to hit you with, um, you know, with a specifically leveled spell, you can just counteract it. Uh, it doesn't cost an action. I'm not sure if it would cost sorcery. It, I, I would, I'm not sure if it would cost sorcery. Uh, it, it is. It has a pretty steep requirement where you need to select four other abilities before you can take it again. So it, uh, I think that might be something we want to talk about. Uh, street magic is just uh, gaining skill training in... Lying, sleight of hand, stealth, or searching. Uh, there's Telestic Strike, which gives you plus two to damage when you're attacking with a magically imbued weapon. Uh, there's Exultant Warrior, which gives you uh, plus one skill uh, to a weapon that you would use. Um, there's Drain Magic that allows you to uh, steal two, sor two sorcery when you touch another Vizlay. Uh, incantation gives you access to uh, conation incantations, which we should talk about at some point. And the last thing that you have is the guided hand. So any weapon with which you have plus two skill with will get an enhancement die when you attack with it. So that's the list of abilities. And uh, that's all we have to talk about for apostates. So thanks for tuning in. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. I, I have some reactions. I'm sure you do too. Oh, okay. I guess let's open this up for discussion. So, <laughs> uh, so what do we want to talk about with apostates? They they don't have an order. They're very freeform. They have a menu of uh, upgrade options. What do we think of apostates? Initially, in re I had to kind of read the section twice to get an idea of what role they were playing in these in games. What kind of characters would be drawn to them? Because almost all of the attention in the discussions of invisible sun has been about the orders though. There's mm -hmm. always people talking about how they're they're, they're They find appealing this notion of a group um, or really series of individuals who refuse to be a group that yes. reject the orders. Uh, but there's even more here than that. It's not just the rejection of the orders. So one uh, character that came to mind immediately reading through these abilities was the cin Marvel cinematic version of uh, Baron Mordo. And Baron where he seems Mordo. to be going. Oh, and that's uh, Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange's buddy, right? Yep. Well, buddy for the most of the movie. Spoilers. Um, oh. But for reasons in the story, he becomes, we'll say, unhappy with magic. Mm -hmm. And seems to be uh, heading towards an arc, though that's the, where he's going to, you know, try to, in some sense, oppose magic, or at least oppose the spread of magic as it has uh, proliferated in the recent universe in which he's living. And so he becomes an agent. Of, he might become an agent of anti or counter magic. There's so many counter magic options here. I could see an apostate who's just really upset about how much magic there is around. 
Mm -hmm. um, or even a very specific kind of misused or um, you know inefficient or so something, some motivation related to there being too much magic and specializes in these counterspell uh, abilities. Yeah, counterspell and spellbreaker would be the two abilities. So all apostates start off with the ability to counterspell level one and level two effects. Uh, and with a little bit of investment, they can they can get that up there. And there's some gating in terms of the abilities, but you could rotate through them fairly quickly, especially when it's one crux each. Yeah. And yeah, they're going to so, have their forte in addition to this. Correct. Um, so the, the counterspell is, is gated. You need to select two other uh, apostate abilities before you can take it again. Um, so essentially every three crux you spend, you can increase that counterspell uh, cap by one level. Right. And imagine it'll take some time, but once you get a character who has a counterspell of four or five, uh, weavers really hate them. <laughs> yeah, uh, the weaver in our group tends to cast spells around level four to seven. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if, if you're getting up there with counterspell, it, it is pretty expensive. Um, and I think yes. you would be, have to be focused on counterspelling because you won't be doing a lot of general spelling. Yeah, I think it would be a very focused character. And then it would be inconsistent with the character to spend a lot on general spells while you're yes. focusing on counterspelling if your character is really opposed to the proliferation of magic. But there are other abilities that you can take as an apostate that don't cost sorcery if you want to take advantage of them. And there are a lot of combat-oriented skills, uh, abilities that would let you do that. Um, oh, yes. If, if you want a character who's going to focus on combat, this is a very strong way to go. Yeah, um, I think the apostate that I've got, he's done Telestic Strike, and I think he's going to be looking at Exultant Warrior, and Guided Hand would be another ability that would be really, really good. Because once you get two skill, adding an enhancement die for free can be really powerful. And plus two skill and a weapon costs a whopping three. Um, uh, uh, the name just just flew out of my brain. Um, the other form of, of XP currency. No, not not crux. The other. Oh, um, acumen. Right. Acumen. Can... Three acumen. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. One one skill would be three acumen. Uh, so you can you could take exultant warrior oh. with a crux, and then you could grab another skill point with. Uh, with your acumen, and then you're ready to go and pick up guided hand to get enhancement dice uh, exactly. whenever you use that weapon you're specialized in. Mm -hmm. So you, you could you can get up to a plus two skill between acumen and this crux spend fairly easily, um, mm -hmm. and I I don't know if that is gated as as not being an opening option for apostates exultant warrior. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't make a note if those were gated. I don't recall. You have to look, look, but either way, it's uh, it's pretty early on, and uh, you, so y you can be doing a great deal of damage with magical weapons or with non-magical weapons fairly early with an apostate, and just keep building up that damage. Uh, so if you want mm -hmm. a, a combat powerhouse, this really does seem the most direct way to do it. Yeah, there there was a scene that my players had uh, in one of the last sessions. They were fighting. Ooh, I can't remember what it's called, but it was this 
uh, hate cyst spawn that was a lady with a herd of cats. And between the weapon that the maker had crafted for the apostate and the apostate's uh, abilities uh, to boost damage and uh, a well-timed incantation from one of the other players, uh, the apostate was able to hit this creature and do 15 points of damage with just one shot. Wow. It it was... I thought it was going to be uh, a challenging and difficult encounter. And it definitely was, but they just had the tools in place to deal with it. And that's part of the design philosophy of Invisible Sun that goes all the way back to the cipher system. That uh, it is... They, they avoid the term balanced for reason, for good reasons. Um, it is, it is designed so that no, that any one encounter might turn very quickly in the, mm-hmm. usually in the favor of, of players. And so they don't want you to be there in some ways. It's a reaction to either deliberately or not the fourth edition D and D approach of having like everything be a boss fight. They go the opposite direction. They like I, they you want multiple encounters, and your characters are with incantations in particular are so powerful that at any given time they might just blow out an encounter. But as long as you're planning to have five or six, it's really not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a, a game like Fourth Edition Dungeons and Dragons, if you blow out an encounter, you kind of fold it up and say, "Okay, give me a couple hours. I'm going to rebuild this and have <laughs> encounter number two. <laughs> yep. uh, because it was it was predicated on having long, very carefully balanced fights. This uh, Invisible Sun, as well as the Cyber System, are instead designed around the notion of having many encounters, some of which players might, through invention or through the resources they have available, might be able to overcome quickly. But you can get through seven or eight of these encounters in a reason in a, in a short in a normal length session, if there is such a thing as a normal length session. So it is easy to build an apostate who would excel at combat. Uh, there are a lot of abilities here that could do that. Um, but I think one of the other really interesting things about the apostate is being able to grab extra spells, like spending a crux to get two general spells. Like you can create a really flexible and adaptable Vizlay with that. And extra spells isn't gated. You can just spend crux and get general spells on a, it's, and that's pretty cheap. Because uh, otherwise, those things generally cost uh, one acumen per level, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's an incredible discount. Well, the, the discount will depend on how uh, your relative uh, offering of crux versus uh, acumen. I gave out way too much acumen <laughs> in my playtest without having much guidance. Um, and so that would have made this not as good a deal. But if you're using the guidelines of having a couple, maybe a couple acumen and, and a... Uh, uh, and a joy or sorrow every session. It's about even. Oh, I, I guess, it, but that, that this just says general spells. It doesn't have the cost that that scales with the with the, with the uh, uh, cost of the of the casting. You can spend one crux and get two high level spells. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I'm looking at. Um, yeah. So I've been handing out uh, one to two acumen depending on you know how active the players were or the characters were during a session. And then more acumen based on advancement of story arcs or character arcs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, generally people are getting two to three acumen per session. 
but then they're always getting a joy or despair uh, plus whatever I've shifted onto the players. So, I mean, the, the crux in at my table, that means it's it's a real good discount. Yeah, I gave a little more acumen, usually about four total. Mm -hmm. And so the acumen piled up more quickly. I also did did two few shifts. So the crux did not accumulate as quickly. So I created that imbalance because of how I was offering uh, these uh, experience uh, points of various kinds. And so I prob that, that probably would have affected how much of a, of a discount this ability would be. But even under those circumstances, if you use, if you spend a crux to get two, a six and a seven level spell or something, that's mm -hmm. a very big discount. Yeah. So that's cool. Like now that I've seen the apostate in action, it, I've got to say the apostate seems like a really nice option if you want a character that doesn't have a whole lot of other stuff that you need to worry about, that you don't have an order, you don't have a set of guidelines telling you how you can advance. You don't have restrictions that say when you can advance. You don't have to worry about people coming in and saying, we need you to tutor this new Vance and help them out. And you're going to do it because you're in this order. They, they have a lot, like they don't have all of that structure around them that could you know, mess with them and introduce complications. Then again, you don't have all that stuff that can mess with them and introduce complications <laughs> that could lead to interesting events in their lives. This does strike me as a, a good order for people who are hesitant or are less experienced and don't want to deal with as many complications in their character. Uh, also, this is a good order for people who are more interested in their forte than their order. Mm -hmm. If they plan to invest mostly in their forte and just use their order to pick up a, an ability here or there, uh, the apostate works quite well. Where they could, if they really, if they want to focus on, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, traversing the newosphere or something, whatever their forte is, it's like, well, then just you spend most of your crux there. If you want to spend something on spells occasionally if you find you do want to pick up something in terms of combat or counter spells those are options available to you but uh if the focus is your forte this is a good order that won't interfere with that and lets you just sort of spend what you want uh, on the forte because the as you mentioned the orders come with all sorts of complications in terms of how you advance them the expectations of their involvement in your life uh and the story um, you can avoid all of that and simplify by focusing on an apostate This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from Drive-Thru RPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. 
uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha- help people find us. 